And the thing to remember here, and I touched on this in just a few words, but every company has a different need. And product marketers are really well known and have a reputation for being agile and identifying where the gaps are. And the whole idea behind creating that connection is to get to revenue faster. And that's why we exist in a company. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Market Mentors podcast. I'm Matt Dodgson, co-founder of Market Recruitment, and we connect B2B tech and SaaS businesses with marketers to help them grow. This week, we're joined by Kirsten Jepson. Kirsten is Senior Director of Product Marketing at Tellers International and a top 100 product marketing influencer. So I feel very lucky to have her on the podcast. And as someone who's been in product marketing for close to 15 years, even before it was widely known as product marketing, it's great to speak about metrics and how she measures performance and output. I hope you enjoy. So welcome to the Market Mentors podcast, Kirsten. Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate being here. Excited to talk about product marketing. Indeed. So before we get stuck into this one, I'd love to know what your relationship is with product marketing. Absolutely. So I am currently in a product marketing role as a senior director at TELUS International. I started in product management, actually, in a role in banking. And then I moved to a product development role for a card processor platform organization. Then this role kind of morphed into a product management type role. At this stage, I knew I wanted to lean into the business part of product, not the technical aspect. So I actually went into marketing. This was about 15 years ago. And to be honest, product marketing really didn't exist at the time, not as it does today. So it's been really exciting to be part of the evolution. And now it's just a perfect fit for a background with the product. Yeah. That's how I got here. That was my journey to product marketing. Awesome. You've got an identity there now, because I can imagine back in those days as a product marketer, like you said, I mean, it is a term that's sort of floated around a lot more frequently these days, but even still, it's quite immature to a lot of other marketing disciplines. Yeah, it must be nice to have an identity. Yeah. And I think it's nice to have the opportunity to really build a function. Hmm. That's why I came to the organization that I'm at today, TELUS International, is because they wanted to build a product marketing practice. And that has been awfully fulfilling, for sure, hmm. to be able to really define what it means for an organization. And I think that's an opportunity that a lot of product marketers have in front of them today is you're kind of creating the role within an organization and you can morph it to be what the organization needs. And I think that's really, really key. Yeah, there's plenty of companies out there trying to do this right now, for sure. So before we sort of dig into the metric side of thing, I think it's perhaps worth just covering off product marketing briefly, because there will be people sort of perhaps listening to this who work at companies without product marketing functions. So at a top level, what is product marketing to you and kind of what does it provide a business? So I'm not really the first one to say this, but it really is truly about building a base that builds a connection between technology, sales, and marketing. And there's always been a loose connection around that in the past, but this is more than connecting the dots. It's creating communication. It's creating a foundation that connects those three very diverse areas of a company. And the thing to remember here, and I touched on this in just a few words, but every company has a different need. And 
product marketers are really well known and have a reputation for being agile and identifying where the gaps are. And the whole idea behind creating that connection is to get to revenue faster. And that's why we exist in a company. So continuing to loop back to that is part of building that foundation. Get to revenue faster. I love it. Yeah, that's what it means to me is to get to revenue faster by connecting those dots. It's the simplest way I can think of to talk about product marketing. It's a lovely value proposition for product marketers, for sure. Indeed. Yes. For context then, how is TELUS International structured then across product marketing and marketing then? Yeah, so it's TELUS International. TELUS, TELUS. No worries. We get it in a few different ways. (laughs) But TELUS International has really grown to be a digital customer experience organization. We do about 2.1 billion a year in USD. And it's grown to that level and IPO'd over the course of the past six years. So as you can imagine, it's been quite a journey. I currently lead a team of six product marketers. I started with three. So the additions to the team have been through adding additional functionality to the organization through acquisition. So as we've become a more complicated organization, we need more product marketers. So currently I have six product marketers. We cover four service lines and 33 quite different products across the company. The team is 100% remote. We've always been 100% remote. We are a global team, so we are all over the globe. The company is global, probably guess that by the name. We are quite spread out, so we're quite used to adjusting to time zones and cultures and accents even. Yeah, indeed. Varying levels of English even. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. You were remote before it became a real thing. Yeah. So I thought we could sort of split this podcast into two halves, really. The first focus on how you communicate with each other as a product marketing team and sort of keep on track. Obviously, you're based all over the world, but how often do you meet and how do you sort of structure your updates between each other then? We do support different service lines. There is commonality between what we do, and that really creates the foundation of what we talk about back and forth. Mm. And the reason that I've created that fundamental base is because I want the organization to know what to expect from us. So this becomes, in a way, our metrics. And we do build this into the reporting, which I'll touch on in a few minutes, our reporting back to the organization. But amongst ourselves... So I do one-on-ones every week with everybody individually. I do ad hoc as needed. Sometimes we participate in the same meetings. We try not to do that too much just because like every company, we're spread a bit thin. So each product marketer has quite a bit of latitude around their service line. That said, there are some baseline deliverables. So what I call a lean launch, and that includes a sales deck, a sales training deck, a battle card, a case study or use cases, and training or sales enablement. We also loop into marketing to do website updates, global deck updates. We iterate on what we're doing. We work with our strategy team when it comes to research and, of course, dig into industries a bit as well, our verticals within the group. But when we meet as a team, We are looking to work through those deliverables and see how each other is creating those fundamental deliverables, because then we can leverage best practices around those across the team. 
Everybody then has deliverables that kind of come and go in terms of content development, depends on where their products are, depends on the maturity of the service line, Hmm. where they are within each of these. And when somebody has a service line that's less mature, they can leverage what the other product marketer has already developed. So that's where this conversation and kind of cross communication and reporting comes into play. Great. And it almost gives you economies of scale, I guess, does it? So that you can use the same frameworks, the same tools, but apply it to different product lines, if you like. Indeed. I think that's a great way to look at it. Obviously, you do that by talking to each other. Do you use any sort of tools to sort of manage that in the cloud? There's a lot of stuff there, isn't there? Yeah, there is a lot of stuff there. So we have what we call a CKC. It's a content knowledge center, and that's our repository. It's actually a Salesforce tool. There are a lot of tools that are out there, you know, everything from SharePoint to Monday.com to all sorts of tools really that can be used. The important piece is using a tool that's easy and is available across the organization. As you can imagine, because we've grown by acquisition, various acquired companies bring different tools and pulling their (laughs) content into this tool can be a chore. A minefield. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that's what we do. Access at any given point in time, not only for us, but for the organization is key. Great stuff. And that's sort of you communicating as a team about what each other is doing, which is great. How then do you measure the performance of each of the product marketers that kind of report into you then? We do that at an ELT level once a month. So we've got a report that we produce. We have a one pager that we consolidate for the executive levels. And it really is to surface the important details of our contribution. So the most important things hit that page and that goes into my leader's report so that it trickles through and becomes part of the overall conversation that we're having. But measuring the performance of each product marketer, there's qualitative and quantitative for sure. Each product marketer in that deeper report that gets rolled up identifies which of the Lean Launch content they've been working on and what they've done and puts the link in there to the latest content, the link into the central repository so it's really easy to access. So each product marketer creates literally one page and that kind of keeps it simple. And that page is similar across each. And then there's also an opportunity to do a more detailed update. And those usually come out. That's a little bit more qualitative, although we do document it. But one aspect of this that's important as part of this reporting is we tie this back to our objectives every year. So in this longer report, we literally take everyone's objectives and put those on a page. So it's sort of a product marketing objectives on a page. Why do we do this? We do this for what we talked about earlier in this conversation. So people know what we are aiming to do at any given point in time. And this keeps us from getting too wrapped up into FUD that doesn't matter to us or FUD that doesn't matter as much to us as what we're working on is probably a better (laughs) way to say it because that stuff usually matters to someone, but Mm. we can't do everything. Mm. So this ties this back. So we use this at the end of the year to tie back to that aspect of reporting. This also forms part of the basis of our one-to-one calls. We use this to access 
to reference for other conversations across the company. So what have you done for me lately? Conversations, really great for that. Personal achievements are included in that. So the organization knows what kind of training we're working on. And then we also do work with analysts. So I mentioned earlier working with our strategy team. Part of that is contributing to analyst outputs. And then we also include any client interactions that we have. So those are kind of semi-qualitative, semi-quantitative. To be honest with you, each service line is a little bit different because of where they are and their level of maturity. So there's not like one metric that fits all across each of the service lines. Yeah, it makes sense because I guess at different stages of their development in terms of the product line, they're going to need actually quite different things. So it's very difficult for you all to be on the same page at the same time. So that makes sense. It's interesting how you talk about not being able to do everything, but it certainly matters to somebody, (laughs) some of these tasks. Right at the start, you succinctly put it, the glue between all those different teams. So you've got to be able to navigate that very well as well. So interesting to hear how you talk about that. From a sort of stakeholder point of view, and I'm not sure who your main stakeholders would be within TELUS, But from a sort of internal stakeholder point of view, what are the sort of key areas that you report back to them on then? Mm -hmm. So typically by product. So at this point, we get into the 33 products. We provide back the highlights of what's being produced in those areas and where we are in terms of the evolution. So, for example, when we're talking to product and we're putting together sales training, product will have information about the roadmap or pricing that's part of their remit. We want to include that in the sales training that we're doing, the sales enablement. So while we're the ones that are kind of spearheading the enablement, they play a very important role in contributing. So that's kind of the way that we interact, as an example, with product. They then know and are updated on The programs that we're working on, this rolls into the strategy team, which is another stakeholder because we're part of the team that's executing on strategy. So strategy identifies and then we execute on the strategy of the organization. We feed back into strategy, but they're the primes on that. Mm. So that's another stakeholder. Technology, again, road mapping, usually the product person sits in technology From a marketing perspective, we probably work the closest and the most often with marketing because they leverage what we do to create content for the website. So as an example, they do all of the SEO work, but they want us to help create the foundational content that becomes part of that SEO work, and then they'll tweak it to maximize SEO. But that's how we collaborate with that stakeholder, for example. Sometimes we're SMEs for them if they need people for quotes and things like that, as a Mm. very technical example. Or if they want ideas on new content to create, we often are part of that as well. And then I would say, finally, from a sales perspective, we feedback into that area by improving our sales enablement all the time, doing everything we can to put the latest and greatest in there, and then making sure they're aware of the iterations. We do have some ways to measure that, which I can maybe touch on in a second. 
but also we are looking at updating the content knowledge center, the usage of the database and that sort of thing, because sales is typically our heaviest user of that, although solutions uses it as well. Mm. And this sales enablement stuff, then you touched on that a little bit there. Mm -hmm. Are you tracking how often that's been used, how it's been used and how much impact it's having on things like sales cycles and stuff like that? Yeah, indeed. So some of the broader metrics we look at include win rates, win ratios, how much we've won, the grand total, did we lose, the number of opportunities that we've won, and then the number that we've closed. Mm. We've got a win ratio that we track. And then most importantly, and an area we're always looking to improve on is the closed lost reason. You know, we really need to understand why did we not win? And the reason that's particularly important to us is because it helps us refresh, iterate, improve on our lean launch content. You know, all of that is tied to why did we lose? Because we don't want to lose. We want to win. So if we know why we lost, then that helps us. We also look from a product perspective at our largest wins and our largest losses because that's part of our revenue tieback. Mm. We look at the opportunity pipeline in particular by service lines, but also by industry. We also look at new additions to the content knowledge center. So we look at what other areas are contributing to that. The other thing that we do look at that's maybe a little bit more offbeat is how is the content center being viewed? And this tells us what kind of engagement do we have with the content that's on that internal content. So if sales isn't using a particular piece of content or solutions isn't using it, we want to go back to them and figure out why. Is it because they can't find it? Is it because they aren't focused on that product? Is it because they looked at it and didn't like it? And some tools do provide some feedback on that. But the honest truth for us is that those conversations are really the most meaningful because they give us that really instant and also very transparent feedback from the sales team. Those are some other measures that are included. And again, these are all part of what we include in that reporting package every month. Great stuff. And who actually does the win-loss interviews then? And tell us. So win-loss interviews are usually done by either the strategy team, just happens to sit there, Hmm. or potentially an outside organization. Yeah. You hear about it being run by some sales orgs within companies. So yeah, slightly different. I'm not sure that necessarily makes sense. Maybe somebody in the sales org, but not a sales person. Sometimes it's just a field. Yeah. Well, in some cases, we don't do a win-loss survey for every loss. We do it for the big ones. Mm. And you're right. Sometimes it's a drop-down field. And that's Mm. a very quantitative way to get that information, but I'm not sure it's as valuable as the qualitative. Agree. There's loads of stuff there. You know, we speak to a lot of product marketeers who are the only product marketer within a company. Mm. You know, what advice would you give them of how to approach these kind of metrics, given that in that kind of role, time is going to be the limiting factor? I would hone in to the two, maybe three things that matter the most. And I mentioned revenue. What impact are you making to revenue is important, but the why for a product marketer is even more important. Why and how? Because that's going to link back to the revenue generating aspect of it. 
That's what I would focus on first. What is the biggest contributor of what you do? I think when you start, you really have to step back and kind of figure it out first. Where are the gaps and which of those gaps will give the most opportunity to contribute to the product marketer? Mm. And I'm asking you off the cuff here, actually, but in terms of a reporting line, who do you report to? Would you recommend mm-hmm. product marketing report to a particular division or type of person? I report into the CRO organization. That's a pretty recent move. I used to report into, believe it or not, the human resource area. I know, right? That was because my boss sat there and strategy sat there, but strategy has since moved over and we've kind of been reorged a little bit differently. So now we are in the chief revenue officers organization. That said, is that the right place? I think if you have the latitude to be a bit of an independent thinker and (laughs) be at a company that's willing to let you challenge, that's great. But you really have to be careful not to get sucked into sales wants today. And so that would be the caveat. There are plenty of product marketers that report into sales and avoiding getting into that kind of construct or watching out for that is pretty key. Mm. Otherwise, you really just become sales support. Yeah. You've got to have your answer ready, haven't you? This sounds like a great idea, but let me jot it down and we'll come back to it further down the line. That is a great (laughs) tactic. Yes. (laughs) So simple. Indeed, indeed. (laughs) So your story is interesting. You know, you've been right at the start of product marketing, really. But for companies hiring right now, and I'm sure you're experiencing this in the US, there's only a limited number of product marketers out there. People don't tend to start in junior product marketing roles and move up as they get more senior. You tend to move into it from other areas. So what other areas do you think companies should be looking at then to hire people who can make a good transition into product marketing? So while marketing is in the title of the role, Mm. marketing is not the only place or even the best place necessarily to look for a product marketer. Somebody with a product background can be a great product marketer. They bring that product perspective to the table. Probably they would want to be someone who's very comfortable leaning into the business side, getting in front of clients, that sort of thing. Not all product people are. Marketing is another area, especially, you know, content marketers, because content marketers do dive quite deeply into the products in order to identify what is the best content. Because that's really kind of what we're always thinking about is what Mm. is the best content? What's going to make the company look the best? So content marketers would be another place. I do get a lot of people who are in marketing Even our talent acquisition team needs to be reminded that product marketing is not about SEO. It's not about how to put out the best digital campaign. It's not about constructing a website well. Mm. It's about producing and creating and outlining the foundation on which that's built. So it's a step removed from that. That's equally as important, but that's, from my perspective, not what this role is about. Mm. And you've got to be comfortable with that, I guess, if you're a marketeer moving into it, because you're supporting and giving, like you said, that foundation rather than necessarily 
executing and bringing it to life. Mm-hmm. And you're almost sat in the background a bit more, whereas the demand gen team might be sort of a bit more in the forefront of, yeah, we've done a campaign that's generated a prospect that we've closed. They're a bit more closer to that, aren't they? Where it was the product marketer doing a lot of the foundational work that helped the demand gen marketer get to that point. Which brings up another great point. There is a little bit of letting go of ego that has to happen because mm. Someone who gets their satisfaction from what you just described is probably not going to be happy in product marketing. We're often Mm. thought of secondly, you know, it's harder for us to say, this is exactly what I provided. Yet, if we weren't there, that wouldn't be possible. But you have to be used to being sort of the second step removed and that does involve letting go of ego indeed it's a great point kirsten it's been fantastic talking to you it's great hearing about your story from moving from product management into product marketing and gaining this identity now and it's really interesting to hear about how you set up your team and what the metrics that you measure if anybody wants to ask you questions what's the best way of them getting hold of you linkedin is the best easiest fastest way so feel free to tag me in linkedin happy to talk about product marketing anytime kirsten it's been a pleasure same thanks matt so that's it for another episode of the market mentors podcast thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode then please leave a review as that helps the channel going forward Until next time.